Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 166. <laughs> Who are you saying yeah, sure to? I can literally, however you want, this is all it's a very, I have a very affirmative relationship with myself. Yeah, I know. So when I say something, then I like to. You already oh, yeah. you started talking to yourself and asking questions. So everything we'd be doing now is like in the cold open, though. That's uh, that's going out. Going that was some pretty good stuff. I, uh, I didn't realize. Okay. One. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we have determined that Elizabeth Warren won the last debate. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about it, um, but I'm your host, Nikine Farsad, and I just want to let you know the result of what would have been a segment on it would was that Elizabeth Warren won. All right, so let me know what you think of that online. Today, we're going to talk about um, the new Kavanaugh allegations. We're going to do a quickie on Iran, a quickie on Sean Spicer. We're also going to talk about the new photo that has emerged of Justin Trudeau in brown face. So today, I'm so excited by our panel, um, both of them uh, veterans of the show. Uh, we have with us the host and editor of the 30 for 30 podcast. They have a new series out on the 30 for 30 podcast. What's it called? It's called The Sterling Affairs. It is the story of that 
another awful man, uh, <laughs> maybe a theme emerging, uh, Donald Sterling, who uh, got caught on tape saying racist things and it came out and it sort of put the NBA into crisis. But a new oh, five-part series out now. So exciting. It's I a fun listened one, to the trailer sort of so far yeah. and I am so excited Good. to get into that. Uh, I've, I've already um, praised 30 for 30 podcasts, especially the one about Bikram. Mm-hmm. So there's so many great things coming out of that series. You guys, it's all thanks to Jody F. Again. Hi, nice to be back. Um, we also have with us uh, a comedian <laughs> friend of mine who I've known and loved for so many years. He has a special out on Amazon called Small Dork and Handsome. He's got a podcast called Broccoli and Ice Cream. Um, he's just such a fun and great human being. You guys, it's Mike Kaplan. I do my best. Thank you so much for having me. You're wonderful. Um <laughs> You're you're so nice to He's say really so many layering on this. Stuff. I thought Get it was done. Out of here. I, All right. I really appreciate you're so kind to say so many true <laughs> things about me. Oh, uh, they are true things, you guys. Okay. Let's get into topic number one. You guys, Brett Kavanaugh is in the news again, and man, that guy likes whipping out his D. Um, we heard about the incident at Yale with Deborah Ramirez at a party. Where he whipped it out in her direction, prompting her to swat it away, so she inadvertently had to touch it, and it's like, okay, that was gross, but that story didn't get short, uh, very much coverage because um, it was the, at the time of his um, nomination hearing, confirmation hearing, it, it was said that it wasn't really corroborated, except for it was corroborated by seven other people. Then it turns out there was another classmate who saw Kavanaugh with his pants down at a different party. Um, some guy named Max Steer. Steer notified senators and the FBI about that incident, but then there was also no investigation of it. Uh, so all of this has come to light um, in the in the last week. Um, Donnie has tweeted extensively about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys, what was your opinion um, – I guess, what was your opinion of Kavanaugh, and has it changed uh, with these revelations? This has really changed my mind on him. I Before, when I was like, only one uncorroborated, you know, or two, or however many, but now, I mean, it's it's certainly, like, it's so, the question of, like, how much you should look at, like, there's so many people that are just like, oh, should we, should we ask these questions? Should we look into it? Should we try and find out more? Should we listen to anyone and they're like well no you might hear things that you don't want to hear so let's just uh only no. you know focus the conversation in one direction so i i i can't i honestly ha- how could this change anything for are there people out there that are like come on one like where there's like progressively more and more people and like with cosby when it was like okay it's 48 people that's 48 people wouldn't lie like what for people who are like one person would two people right, would right, right, right. like i mean where's the you know the preponderance that pushes it over we which I think is is a little bit of a hallmark of the times we're living in where – I mean I can't really think of any sort of heated pitched battle where new information has changed the dynamic, right? Yeah, it almost true. always forces people to just retreat even further into their camps. Yeah. You know, but the other thing I, I – I thought about it at the time, and I think just the, this other refresh cycle around this new information um, got me thinking about was – was that in a sense the Kavanaugh hearing was never really about the particular details of what he did. I mean I really think there was a larger 
cultural argument taking place sort of underneath that and in many ways around kind of like is what he's alleged to have done that bad? Mm -hmm. And I really do think, you know, we're not really sort of saying that out loud, but I really do think a lot of the Kavanaugh defenders were in this sort of pushing back to me uh, against Me Too, pushing back against the perceived sort of cultural backlash and saying, you know, kind of enough is enough. Stop going after white men for being white men and behavior like this is, um, you know, putting aside some of the details, behavior like this is stuff that, you know, we will abide in some sense. And I mean, I think that that's actually like, in a sort of twisted way, like a more kind of, I wish people had articulated that more rather than getting down to the details. I wish that some of Canada's offenders had just been like, no, this is a bigger battle. And we're yeah. worried about the sort of yeah. like, T tides of recrimination that are happening in front of us. Can I say, uh, my grandmother, who is like super, like politically liberal, you know, hates Trump uh, on this particular issue, yeah. she was like, this is how my girlfriend met her husband. You know, like legitimately, <laughs> like he like out parties threw her down on a right. bed. And, I, but later, I'm like, I was like, I said, the difference is that she later was like, I'm happy to be married to this man and not now I'm classifying this as an assault, you know? Yeah. And so, but I, I think obviously there is nuance based on your, you know, your generation, your age, but also like, like you're saying, so many people who are defending him are like, come on, that's what we all do. That's what right. men do. You know, men do this. Like, oh, then should the Supreme Court be all women? Like, that'd be a little better, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jody. The question, it's not, it's like kind of not even about any of the particulars. It's just about what does this mean for us culturally? And I I also think if the, if it had just been a matter of whipping out the D at a blackout drunk party, um, I would have been like, well, that's fine. You know what I mean? It's like not, it's not like it's fine, but it's just like, I was at parties where mm -hmm. that happened. You know what I mean? I was. I was at parties where that happened. And for the gentleman who did that um, in front of me, I don't think that they should um, now, 40 years later or whatever, I mean, not. I'm not 60 years old. Anyways, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? What I wouldn't um I wouldn't say that they shouldn't get a job or whatever. Um so but the the Christine Blasey Ford situation yeah. was a was is an entirely different category for me. Um and so I think I think what's the, the case that's sort of being made again and and no one sort of explicitly says this but the case that's being made here is that a person who does that you know that kind of sexual assault um against Christine Blasey Ford is and, and now there's all these other smaller instances of unsavory behavior it there's probably it other up. it adds up yeah. there's other things it, this is bolstering the case, Chris Ford's case it's it's bolstering the idea that there's probably other things like this in his past um because of you know the you know people that do these things tend to be kind of like serial offenders whatever so um i feel like that's the case yeah. that we're building and uh so right, so the details of this these particular new allegations may not be for me like impeachable on their own. Um, do you guys think there is a case for impeachment from you know the the Democrats should take up? As you know, a lot of the 
2020 candidates um, are calling for impeachment. Yeah, I mean, on on the Kavanaugh on Kavanaugh specifically, I don't know. I, I I just I highly doubt it will rise to the top of the Democratic agenda. And I mean, I think in a larger sense, it's been clear and explicit that like supreme the Supreme Court seats are the golden ticket for Republicans. A lot of Republicans made their peace with Donald Trump around that specific goal, and so you know. That will be the most pitched battle, um, maybe even more than, you know, impeaching the president or other sort of uh, investigations or whatever. So, you know, when it, if it were to come up, it would be probably, I would say, one of the more kind of like uh, highest bars for Democrats to clear. I, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, I can see it, you know, potentially if a, if a Democrat gets elected in 2020 and they have, you know, both chambers and there is a sense of like – we're going to try and basically like undo everything that happened in the last four years. Maybe Kavanaugh gets rolled into that. But again, I think a Supreme Court seat almost stands apart from even that kind of thinking. The other thing I wanted to mention that I forgot was that what's really upsetting about the new allegations is the extent to which the FBI was sort yes. of unwilling and hampered in, 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 in kind of doing an actual investigation when Blasey Ford came forward because the Deborah Ramirez allegations were out there. They could have been easily corroborated. We weren't, you know, that opportunity wasn't given. And I and I think what's so upsetting is that um, we're, we're seeing the kind of real extent of the Trump administration's powers when it comes to confining those investigations and like not letting, you know, the truth come out on them. But that's where I think there's also an indication that there's something sort of deeper uh, going on in, in in with the Kavanaugh hearings, that there was a larger sense among Republicans of just like we have to put Push our him foot through. down. Yep, we we got to get this guy through. But moreover, we have to take a stand. If we don't take a stand now against you know what's the word scurrilous uh, allegations, <laughs> spurious allegations, um, you know, uh, by by Democrats and Democrats attacking white men and calling every white man a racist and a rapist, you know, then then when? And so that that's where the sort of pressure on the FBI, like we got to move on from this. And it's and, I mean, one I- irony of it is that Kavanaugh, you know, isn't a lot of Republicans were sort of worried about Kavanaugh's position. They weren't convinced that he was going to be the person to overturn Roe. Um, but he became this avatar and he's become this avatar for kind of a defense of white men in a sense. And so as there's, you get these weird alignments in a sense. And lest we forget the number of documents that were withheld from the process yes. from his time in the, what was that, 90s or whatever, working for, sorry, the 2000s working for George W. Bush. Bush, right? Yeah. And did he also work for his dad? I don't remember. Don't no, know. maybe just the W. Uh, so there, there was a lot. I mean, so much was withheld about this man. Um, and so we actually don't have a complete picture on many counts. So I think, you know, again, we do know I, what his penis looks like now. We, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting more and more complete a picture. Just wanted to say I wanted to weigh in as uh, I'm not an expert on the law on this, but uh I will say that I had a fun joke about uh, confirmation bias. That Ooh. would be a, I, I feel like if there's a name for the segment, that'll be, I just want to pitch that. But uh, sorry to interrupt. We've seen his penis. Okay, great. Please move on. Yeah. No, we've seen, right. We've seen his penis. We have not seen uh, thousands of pages of documents of what he was involved with when it came to, uh, you know, the W. But can I ask you, can I ask you to kind of what you make of the fact that over this past weekend, when this story came out in the Times, 
And then there was, you know, there was a really bad tweet around it. It was there was criticism about where in the times it got placed. Then there was a correction that was added to that that, you know, liberal said was not that big of a deal. And Republicans, you know, pointed to it and said, but like that even this turned into a media story, which I just think is so fascinating how every single fight eventually turns into uh, fake news, media bias kind of brouhaha. And even this one landed at that. Well, that seems like, I mean, obviously people who are calling things that uh, are, there are many true stories that are problems that if people were to believe them and know them and understand everything. So it's certainly in the best interest or the not quote unquote best. It's in in the interest of the people in power who have done harmful things and continue to do harmful things to just continue to muddy all the waters, even when it doesn't like, like, Uh. "Ah, let's just muddy these waters in case it's uh, muddy. Like we're we're up here. So just let's not let anything get like you're saying. This guy is an avatar. Like if the information keeps coming forward, like. Uh, when Stephen Colbert did the White House press correspondence dinner, like one of my favorite jokes, like George Bush sitting next to him, he's like, George Bush is a man of like principle. George Bush believes the same thing on Monday that he does. Uh, he'll believe the same thing on Wednesday that he did on Monday, no matter what happens on Tuesday. And I feel like that's, you know, that is this just like mm-hmm. amplified. They're just like, well, we we have our thoughts, we have our team, we have our goal in mind when obviously the things that they're even saying, like they want. They want power. They have power. They want to keep. And they like I'm a white man. You know, I I I'm ha- like I'm benefiting from the power. Like I want to I want to stop. Please take my power. I, please let me stop me from talking. I don't want to talk anymore. Nagin, please. This is your show. Cancel this man. I, I'm taking please. over. No, stop it. It's never happening. I would no matter what I do. But sincerely, the, the one other thing I wanted to say is that the. One problem with like if if there are things that we would forgive if the person says, yes, I was young and drunk and stupid and that is a thing that could I don't even remember specifically that drunken party because they I did get drunk. And but then for for a person to say that couldn't have happened, it never happened. Whenever you said it happened, I I have vacation written in my calendar. Like I have always been upright <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I've always no, been the upright Hillary and perfect. Clinton yeah. conspiracy theories got tried out. I mean, right. I think yes, we forget the behavior of Kavanaugh and the bluster. And that I mean, I think again to your point about like what have we learned what have what have Republicans learned in the Trump era? It's that. You never concede. You never explain. Yep. You just push back. And and it's like there's no there's no solid ground for anyone to stand on where like there's one right way to be principled, compassionate, honest, like there's every situation because I understand sometimes there can be disingenuous questions like you're, it's not legal to for a lawyer to say, so do you still beat your wife? Like that used to be legal, not legal anymore because of the presupposition, because of the bias. So it is possible that there can be biased questions, but the question when somebody like there, it's, it's all a spectrum and everyone gets to decide, you know, like what is what is reasonable? What is objective? I mean, not what is objective, just what is what you think. Like we all we all get to decide from what people ask, from what people say, and what they're not saying. Like, why didn't you answer that question? Is it because the answer is bad for you, or is it because you know you have something? Le- is is what you're saying legitimate? Whatever it is right, that you're answering, right? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think we all said correct things. <laughs> <laughs> If only the hearings could have been this supportive. I, I just want to say I don't like beer. Oh, wow. I, but I just want to rem- I do like that you reminded us all that he had a, such a detailed teenage calendar yeah. of events or whatever the way we all did as teenagers, <laughs> writing in little appointments <laughs> on our calendar books. Uh, what a fuck. ridiculous situation. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll just continue to see what happens. And I think the other interesting thing is because Donnie poured a bunch of tweets onto this subject, um, you know, over the weekend and then um, then was able to really like pivot towards the Iran stuff and sort of like the news cycle is not even really supporting this Brett, these Brett Kavanaugh allegations. And it's Thursday. Um, If, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I feel like it's going to be pushed under the rug, to be honest. It feels like I what's happening. I think it's going to go away. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Uh, all right, you guys. Let me know what you guys think. Now that we all know about his penis, um, where do you stand on his penis? Do you stand on the tip or at the shaft? That's uh, the question. It depends. You, you want to ask. You want to. You don't want to assume because everyone might like a different thing. And just to be clear, I wanted to say, uh, we haven't literally, I haven't seen it. I don't think there are pictures oh, or video. You thought yeah. listeners believed you. Yeah, just want to make, okay. I mean, I, I don't want anyone to take my words Guys, out of context, which they still can. I want to say that no, the penises of none of the people we are talking about today have been technically seen. Um, probably. <laughs> probably. Maybe that they feel seen now. If I, 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 They've been heard. They've definitely been heard. Um, all right, you guys, uh, let us move on to topic number two. You know what? First, let me... Oh, boy. <laughs> Good start. All right, you guys. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about other stuff. <laughs> This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit. Even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because... It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes, HEADGUM. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions. Apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app 
that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, educational app from Albania that teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Eat stress-free this spring with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. 
They're tailored to your schedule. Um, you can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've, pa- I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fakethenation50 at factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. (laughs) You guys, and we are back and we're ready for topic number two. You guys, we were going to talk about the situation with Iran and I, I, I still want to talk about that, but it's so unclear what's happening right now that I felt like after assigning us to talk about it, we can't really talk about it. But I do want to say... Uh, but I do want to ask one question. So what happened was that apparently the Iranians struck um, Saudi oil facilities. Uh, Houthis took um, credit for it, but many agree that uh, they wouldn't do something like that without the permission of the Iranians at the end of the day. So uh, Donnie imposed uh, strict sanctions. Okay. Now, my question to you guys is, do you know... Or have any real sense of what our foreign policy is with respect to the Middle East? Can I, I can answer that in this way. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother, when I talk to her. <laughs> She's, uh, uh, God, such an insightful woman. She really is. But here's the thing that she'll do is she'll sometimes say something and then I'll respond to that with like a question or a statement. And then she'll respond to the thing that I just said without any reference for the context of what she said previously. Mm-hmm. It's like she's only resp- like a goldfish, only in the moment uh, at the best. Yeah. But not I'm very being like, mindful. But why did you like, but why are you saying this when before you said? said this and then she'll only address the new thing and so i do feel like it is i mean it's been said that you know that donald trump he'll like his policy is whatever the most recent person whispered to him like like whatever is in front of him right now like that's what's happening well that's no good you know through a framework of i am the best i win i am in charge like anyone who disagrees with me is wrong and i mean if it's that like somebody is stealing or damaging or hurt. Like it doesn't, it's all just coming from his own, it seems like, uh, yeah. like just what, what is, there is, there's certainly, there's no, there can't be, I mean, I'm no expert, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if that's clear. You just go to, out of your way to yeah. Foreign <laughs> policy expert, Mike Kaplan has okay. no idea. Mike Kaplan, yeah. who I, is a diplomat of the United yes, Nations, yes. <laughs> <laughs> said something about gold. Model fish. United Nations. <laughs> Jody. Um, great. I, too, am also going to get out of my skis here with this. But no, I mean, I, look, on the details, on the specifics of this particular incident, I, I you know, I think we're, we are all sort of – it's a little head spinning. I do think that there are two things that this moment lets us see, and they're things that we've seen before. I mean, one is, you know – and there are actually two things that I think, like, are somewhat, like, fundamental axiomatic things about understanding our President Trump. One is, you know, he – relationships that lead to money 
are very important to him. Yep. And so the Saudi relationship, I mean, he literally said this week, you know, I like the Saudis because they pay cash. Yeah, to you know, buy, so is, to be clear, to buy our weapons. Right. But, you know, I think for, there's... For the, for the, sorry, for the uh, conflagration in Yemen, actually. Yes. It's a humanitarian crisis, largest right. humanitarian crisis in the world. But, you know, in a larger sense, there's just a relationship there that is very clear to him. Um, and then you have these incidents that scramble those relationships and force him to make kind of decisions. And then to your point, there's no cohesive foreign policy that he can turn to and say, well, this is, this is our long-term strategy. This is what we believe. Yeah. You know, it just puts these sort of core values of his, I use the word value very, very loosely, <laughs> Loose. but you know, these core tenets of his um, at odds. The other one that I think is really interesting, and I think, you know, the John Bolton thing yeah. kind of um, showed it, and then all this talk of escalation with Iran is showing it. I do think that Trump is... I don't know if I'd call him a dove, but I I would say I think he has a real distaste for foreign intervention, for war. I think he, you know, probably learned a lesson from the Iraq war, even if it was the most cynical lesson, which is just like politicians got screwed over when they went into this boondoggle. But I do think that. And I think but then he also loves bluster. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think the Bolton thing was and, really and, interesting, yeah. where he saw this guy on TV talking tough and he was like, yeah, I want that. And then. The guy who talks tough turns out is standing in the Oval Office wanting to back it up and saying we should go to war. And then Trump is like, well, wait a minute. That's what t talking tough oh, actually means. I thought and so talking tough was talk. Right. Yeah. And so right. and so there is this interesting and that's a, that's a sort of common thing with Trump is he he loves the, 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 the tough talk and then there's often not follow through. Right. And I think with with war in this moment, we're seeing those kinds of things sputting up against. I think other. the only thing. And I think you're absolutely right. He likes the tough, the tough talk, um, but not the follow through. Um, the only thing that's putting a wrench in that is that is the 2020 elections yeah. because I think he would do whatever yeah. um, to get reelected, and I think that's the thing that's scary to me. And but I think if I'm an international player and I'm trying to figure out a diplomatic strategy in this situation. I would have no idea how to proceed. So that's the, you know, that's And that's, like, I think, the fucking problem. And that's part of the reason we can't even really talk right. about it because no, but it's completely unclear what, what will happen, what could happen. There's no actual strategies at play and there's no, like, consistent ideological position. Can I say, uh, Jody, what you said uh, is actually calming to me in a way that, like, I, I've... I've heard, I feel like I'm not in the, I'm in, I'm in comedy, I'm in show business, like I'm not part of, you know, the industry that decides what gets made and like what decisions, like who says yes and no to like green lighting certain projects. But I understand there's some people that like if they have bosses, they might say no to more things that they might be interested in because if they say yes to something and it turns out to be a flop, yeah. then they can get in trouble, fired, whatever. So it works for people to sort of keep their head down and only say yes when they're like, this is a 100% sure way. And so I hope I'm, I'm hoping that to analogize this to that, that Trump is like, I'm not, you know, I'm just I, all I want to do is talk uh, and not actually do anything, because if I do something, it could be the wrong thing. So <laughs> Donald Trump is a junior development executive. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of the reporting from out of the White House is that the he doesn't like to make decisions yeah. and he likes to, you know, defer to others or make others do it and then, you know, cast blame depending on how it turns out. Um, but I do think with war, that with the war, I do think there might be actually something a little more kind of, he feels it a little deeper of like, uh, this is not, and you know, what you said, I mean, I think for the history of this country, there's been a very clear lever of like, we go to war and and people rally and my popularity goes up. Right. And so it's, it is surprising 
to be perfectly honest, that Trump hasn't pulled that lever. And I'm curious, you know, as you put it, whether he's watching that lever. But I do wonder if in the post-Iraq world, that lever is – that correlation is as strong. And maybe Trump senses that it's not and that a war would backfire in some way. Right. Um, Okay. Well, we are going to continue uh, to watch this situation. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a can I, can I tell you a story that you're going to cut? But I just <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. There was a sketch on SNL many years ago with Tenacious D. Okay. Uh, in which they sang a song. It was like the intro. I think it was on Weekend Update, and it was like, "Can I say Kavanaugh's is the Tenacious D now? <laughs> His D is tenacious. It keeps showing up, and I'm done." <laughs> It so took the, me like uh, two additional seconds to understand yeah, what you were yeah, saying. I Go ahead, it. Jody. There was uh, there was some like boondoggle in the Middle East and they brought on Tenacious D to explain it and they sang a song called Hornet's Nest Mm. that was just basically like the Middle East is a hornet's nest and then they go down this whole like tortured analogy about uh, hornets and all I think of now it's a very funny sketch but all I think of now whenever the Middle East comes up I'm just like it's a hornet's nest Uh, it's not much we can do about it no (laughs) agree and then the one other thing I was going to point out that I forgot to say that we should also cut is that um, that fucking uh, there's also the thing that's playing out, which is a feud between John Bolton and Donnie sort of like after his firing. Yeah. And part of the response to Iran right now is strangely to show John Bolton, this now random guy civilian, um, what Donnie thinks he's capable of or whatever, yeah. you know. So I think that's the other weird thing that's playing out. And and I don't and he is exactly as petty as to make it about some guy. Well, you know what I mean? You're exactly right. And in, and in some larger sense, just the irony of like. You fire John Bolton one week and then go to war with and Iran. I know, like, exactly. <laughs> John Bolton's like, that's what I yeah. wanted. You, f-. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, it's ridiculous. But okay. It's, it's all part of going to the war with John Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, which all good junior development executives <laughs> would do. Um, okay, you guys. So let us move on to the next topic. Because uh, that one was a little bit of a shorty. We're going to do a severe left turn and talk about... Um, Sean Spicer <laughs> for just a minute and his turn on Dancing with the Stars. Um, I guess I don't even know what my question is here, <laughs> but like what is he trying to get back into the country's good graces? And is there anything you could do to be a part of the Trump administration and then come back and then return to polite society, basically? Uh, I can I, I have, I think, a more meaningful answer to this than to the Iran question. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my grandmother, it's not about her. Um, <laughs> but what isn't? Um, I saw a tweet about, uh, and I, don't, I wish I knew who it was, but it was like, sort of America is like, you know, can't somebody's like cancel culture is getting out of hand, you know, like cancel culture. Like we gotta, we gotta stop. And then America also, and then the, the gif or the meme or whatever of just Spicer, you know, in, right. in his peacock regalia, like what just on dancing with the stars, like he, like people are doing, you know, are participating in heinous things. People are complicit in, you know, mass suffering and, and he, he is one of them and he is now, you know, 
receiving money, receiving attention, receiving like, if not absolution, you know, like what the, the question of whether there is something that a person could do that would put them back in the good grace. I mean, to me, it would be telling the truth, at, you know, and being expressing legit, you know, atonement, uh, like for explaining like why did that be like i was greedy i or i wanted to help i wanted i had these misguided goals uh if somebody was honest and kind after having been in there uh then yeah that would be that would do it for me welcome right i mean not to everybody but to me but you i mean you use the phrase polite society you know the graces of polite society i just think that that's not a goal of the Sean Spicers of the world. I, I'm curious what the definition is there because, you know, does, does getting on CNN count as coming back into the mainstream fold? I mean, you would think it does. Corey Lewandowski, yep. another former Trump, you know, whatever you want to call him, gave a hearing in which he, you know, and I want to, I want to, talk about that. I'd be curious to talk about this a little bit, but, you know, he gave a hearing in which he basically said, I have disdain for the media. And like, I don't think lying to the press is actually lying. And the next day he gets invited on CNN. Yeah. Sean Spicer ends up on Dancing with the Stars. So, you know, either that's seen as validation to them that I'm back in the good graces and no matter what I do, I will be back in good graces. Or, you know, that's the goal. And they don't think of that as good graces and they don't care about the sort of deeper values that you're talking about and atonement and all of those things. They just care about, uh, you know, um, visibility and money yeah. and all those things. And I think that is like such a trump lesson and i think yeah. he has taught everyone around him that the that the media game is the only game that matters <laughs> and if the media is paying attention to you you're winning you're winning yeah but they're also sad it is it, it, are they sad inside you think they're sad you uh, think they're sad inside 100 percent. okay did you guys know. see see sean spicer's performance no my parents are huge fans of, of Dancing with oh, okay. the Stars. No, no, no. My parents are uh, bleeding heart liberals, um, immigrants. And, uh, and so anyways, they're in town and I DVR'd it and we watched it together. Um, and uh, he wasn't abjectly horrible. He brought a level of joy to the stage that was quite surprising. He was able to hold his own in the little pre and post interviews or whatever and kind of be charming. I think what's and then he wore this obscenely ridiculous, like, you know, fluorescent green ruffle number, um, which I think he wore agreed to wear as like a as like a a sign of, um, hey, I can, you know, I've got good humor about this. Um, He also said something like, oh, it's nice to have the the leader of the free world tweeting supportive words about me or something. And I was like, oh, you lost us there. But I think for that's for for polite society when it comes to like uh, fucking liberals like me who read a lot of news and, you know, have podcasts. Um, But I think for the average American who may not follow politics so intensely – he is winning some sort of a charm game, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's interesting um, because I think for those people, it may absolve him of the many sins of just lying every day to the American public. I don't know. Uh to, to I, I'll also take back that I certainly don't know what anyone else's internal experience is. I can only speak to my own, uh, if anything. 
And just, I, I hope that this will make sense to, uh, and uh, I know everyone else said something that would get cut, but uh, <laughs> maybe this will be mine. But uh, when I was uh, like 21, uh, just out of college, I was dating a girl and I cheated on her. And it was first sort of like an emotional cheat. Like I just had a friend. I was like working somewhere else for the summer. And I was like, oh, it's totally fine to have a friend. My girlfriend, like, and I told my girlfriend about my friend and she was like a little jealous and suspicious. And I was like, no, nothing's happening, truthfully. Mm -hmm. And then something did happen and she didn't ask any more questions, but she just broke up with me because she was like, it made me uncomfortable. And I was like, oh man. So the lesson I learned was don't tell the truth, you know, <laughs> like the lesson, like if I hadn't told her anything about this person, <laughs> it would have been like fun. then every, yeah. we would have kept being together. But then a few months later, we uh, like, she was like, she came back to me. My girlfriend was like, Hey, the, at this point, ex-girlfriend, she was like, I was thinking about it and I realized like, I wasn't fair to you. Uh, you didn't, I mean, you didn't do anything. You like, I was, so did anything actually happen? And uh, because if not, like then maybe we can move forward. And I, at that point I was like the lesson don't tell the truth, but I did tell the truth. I was like, that's not the the ultimate lesson that I gleaned from it. The, the ultimate lesson was like, try to have the truth, be things that you're happy to tell people. And then <laughs> like, sincerely, like that was like, you know, I was a, a dumb kid yeah. and I was like, oh, next time, like just be honest, uh, you know, be, like being honest with yourself and then with the people that you care about. Because I like, you know, many, like human, many humans were like, the goal was like a relationship. The goal, ultimately, a happy, functional relationship, but just sort of like the avatar of a relationship being like, oh, I could have the relationship, like, yeah. which is what I think these guys are like, oh, I want to have regard, uh, regard of the people, a place in society. Like it's these, it's sort of nebulous. What is, what is the goal? And the goal is being like content, having your actions, your thoughts, your feelings, your integrity yeah. match. And that's when, when for me, I was like, oh, if I move forward lying to her, I'll always, I, I don't want, just want the prize. I want to feel, you know, okay with Good. myself. Right, 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 right. But I, I, I mean, I do think something that you're getting at there is that, yeah, I think a lot of people look at people in politics, certainly within the Trump orbit, and talk about kind of like compromising your morals. And in in that is a notion that there is a like sort of your morality is the same as mine, and then you've just sort of like made a deal to. And I actually think that that so often it's it's not that you've that people are compromising their morals; it's that they're redefining their kind of idea of what is good behavior and what is bad behavior. And so, when you look at a Sean Spicer or you look at a Corey Lewandowski, I mean, Lewandowski said it this week: like he got to a point where the idea that you would lie to the press was not thought of as a bad thing, right? right? And he, I think, he learned that from Trump. Yeah. Uh, and I think so. So, so, so. Sean Spicer's not out there going, "I need to atone for the awful things I've done." He probably is thinking what I have done is not that bad. Right. Uh, because he has redefined in many ways. Right. I think it's so weird because we're looking at these situations with completely different metrics. Correct. And that is the problem of American polarization Correct. today. Yeah. All I, right. Oh, yeah. Can I add one, one, another... one last thing that's sort of about this uh, that I feel like we we all have different moral frameworks. I was like, I'm I'm vegan. I uh, I in college, like worked at a sandwich shop uh, or on campus where I would have to like make meat sandwiches if people wanted them. I'm like, somebody's going to be having this job. And uh, if I, if somebody's like, what kind of sandwich should I get? I'd be like, get a vegetarian sandwich. You know, like maybe I could push the, move the needle a little bit once in a while. Like I was, I also needed a job at that time. Like I yeah. probably wouldn't try to get that job again. And I think about like, you know, Obama, when he was president, you know, droned 
Uh, yeah. There were attacks that killed innocent people. Yes. And my 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 imagining is that he was, you know, uh, on a, I think a pretty much identical scope, like similar to me at the sandwich shop. You know, he's like, maybe he's <laughs> dr- like if the American president, quote unquote, has to, you know, do these like is part of this machine, uh, part, like to, quote unquote, protect the American people or whatever the goals are uh, like that involve droning innocence to whether it's preemptively or in response to things like I'm like, maybe he was doing it less. Hopefully he was, you know, uh, deporting fewer immigrants, you know, I mean, and I know he's a human being. I mean, we're all human beings and we're all doing the best we can. Uh, And it it won. uh, So except for Sean Spicer, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm like, I'm like Obama and different from Sean Spicer. Yes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) We're we're all one except for Sean Spicer. That's all. (laughs) Let us move on to our next mini topic. Um... Justin Trudeau, this just came in this morning. Uh, Justin Trudeau was seen in brownface at a sort of, I don't know, an Arabian Nights theme party in 2001. He was, I think, 29 at the time. Um, and he, you know, he, yeah, he was dressed as Aladdin and uh, had his, had the brown face. Sincere quick question. Was this pre or post 9-11? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. No I mean, idea. It it I don't know if it changes anything for anyone, but uh I mean, obviously still still not the best. Right. E- either way, I'm not like like what like it was he he wasn't doing it at uh at brown people. Right. He was doing it ignorantly, you know, in the way that apparently, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad and apparently yeah. <laughs> a lot of people I mean, uh, yeah, so do you feel like he's up for re-election? Do you, what do you think, what would you do if you were a Canadian voter with this information? I mean, I, what I read just that came out today, like, I, I'm glad that he apologized. Uh, from what I remember, he said, uh, I didn't know, or we didn't know, like, that it was racist and wrong, but and now, now we do. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, given that that happened, that's kind of, the, the only way this could be better is if then he was like, actually, that's a, fo- a doctored photo. It never happened. I just want to let you know that if it did happen, then I would say the best right thing that I could. Uh, but which I think, I think that's it. I mean, what else can he say, it, given that it's the truth? And so I... I like him, but uh, I'm also a white person, and I would also uh, would be happy to hear what peop you know people of the more impacted communities uh, have to say and feel about yeah. it as and well. And for the record, it was in the spring of 2001, so it would be a before 9/11. Right. But you know, 2001 was not that long ago. 29 is not that young. He was a teacher mm-hmm. at this school where he did it. You know, when you are become a teacher, I mean, look, I was a teacher at age 24 and was did a lot of dumb things. But like when you become a teacher, part of that job is to start to think about the impact of your actions, uh, you know, on the people around you. That's literally your job. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I think this is different, a little different from maybe other instances like this um, or other instances of like, you know, dumb young behavior. Um, a lot has changed since 2001, to be fair, you know, and certainly pre and post 9-11 is an inflection point. But I don't know. I mean, I think this is this is bad. I mean, the thing that baffles me is just kind of we had a conversation about blackface and brownface With Ralph several Norton. months ago. Yeah. And you would think that 
this is the sort of cynical political take, but you would think that a, that someone like Justin Trudeau, if he knew this was out there, um, which I don't know if that's the case or not, would would at least sort of like recognize a moment to then come be out. part of that conversation and come out and so forth, as a number of politicians did. Yeah. Um, who knows how that would play? But, you know, I think anytime something comes out as like secret information in their run up to an election and yada, 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 it's like it's just politically tougher to, to navigate. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting because I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but he was also ridiculed for having gone to uh, on a state visit to India and he wore some of the traditional yeah. Indian kind of clothes and, and I don't know, some pointy shoes or whatever. Um, I have also worn traditional Indian clothes at a wedding. I was requested actually to wear them and I am not Indian. Um, Were you requested by Indian people? Yes. That makes sense. Uh, so so he was doing it as a sign of respect for his hosts. And then, you know, a lot of Canadians just thought it was cringeworthy. But I think – but it was one of those things that was just kind of like news of the week, something f- maybe funny to talk about and like a little, you know, uh, discomforting to talk about. And then and then sort of passed. And now, and now this, right? And I think, you know, in that situation, I'm like, I – I can see doing that. You know, I can see going to another country and be, and I don't think it's disrespect. You know, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's for an Indian person to say, did they feel disrespected that he was wearing those clothes, you know? And and it's funny because when I was wearing Indian outfits, in traditional Indian clothes for this wedding, I was like, oh, I wonder if like another Indian person who just saw me on the street, what they would think. I mean, I think it's weird because I'm ethnically ambiguous. So whatever. But like, they might be like, hello, fellow Indian. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, casting directors who have certainly <laughs> called me in for Indian roles would be like, hello, Indian. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think, but but again, I you know, or but I was also thinking about like when I was younger, I I wore one year a like a fortune teller Halloween costume and it was sort of like like of the Romani people. Yeah, like a gypsy mm-hmm. whatever. PS there are gypsies from Iran as well and huh. I wore but that doesn't matter. Uh cuz I was obviously going for the like Romani whatever look. Um should I be not elected for prime minister <laughs> of Canada? <laughs> Probably. You know I mean, like, well, you're not Canadian, so I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. And, it, and if you look at the photo, the brown face is so much more shocking than I think you might think it is. Like, just if you imagine the I mean, photo. Look, this is a this is not a wedding. This is a party. Right. It is an Arabian Nights themed party. It is a party that is whose premise is playing. I think with, if not racial, certainly cultural stereotypes and there's a there's an we've been invited to parties like this i think we've ended up at parties like this we are, we are aware of this one it is intentionally an edgy kind of proposal yeah, yeah. and then it is not a costume it is blackface and i think there's something yeah. different there i mean you're standing in front of a mirror and you are painting your face black yeah. and and sure, he's Canadian. Maybe there isn't a, as deep of an understanding of the history of minstrel minstrelry there. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I just think that there, it's all on a gradient. I understand, and I think that it's a really interesting question. You know, what do you do at Halloween? Are you allowed to dress up as someone from? But like, all of this other context just pushes it over the edge for me. That like, yeah. that in in this sense, that I think that he knew. I would think, and the people in that world know that they are playing with 
race in that moment. And then there's a and there's an active decision to be made. It's not someone saying, hey, will you wear this? But it's like, am I going to play with race and, right. and, and knowingly do that? And I don't know. Uh, I guess the thing that I would, if I were a Canadian citizen, I would be looking to see what conversations he is having moving forward with the affected communities like yeah. and what and what those yeah. communities have to say like if they uh appreciate the the apology and have continuing discussions and it now becomes like a larger conversation that uh that is productive in ways like with and for and to that those communities yeah. and larger like that you know it's obviously that's that's not the only i agree that it is like it, certainly in today's terms, and that is not that long ago, uh, an egregious type of thing. But given that it's happened, you know, then what is yeah. what what happens moving right. forward? Right, and I think also, I, th- I guess, yeah, I, I, that I think is a good m- metric. And I think for me, I would say, first of all, he has people of color on his cabinet. I think he has like four Sikh people on his cabinet, actually. Um, and he, so what? what is their reaction? Um, and... I would say, what are his policies? What have they been towards communities of color? What are they in this upcoming yeah. elections? Um, because I think with the Ralph Northam situation, there was like a little bit of a calculus made that like this person is actually going to still do more for, um, you know, to better race relations in Virginia than the Republican alternative, even though he has this history from the 1984 blackface photo. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- there are, those are also some calculations, unfortunately, that are that sounds sort of like sterile, um, but but that's that but that I would make as a voter. Yeah, but I, and I think in in general, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to imply that sort of this should be viewed completely in a vacuum, and just the judgment should be you know entirely on that. I think that these other things do matter. I mean, it's, you know, makes me you know we were just talking about Kavanaugh, and I mean the 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 allegations against Kavanaugh spark a conversation, and the way that that conversation plays out is a big part of the the larger conversation. And we saw how that played out with Kavanaugh, and I think. Trudeau, this conversation will play out very differently. And and considering all of these things you just mentioned about his cabinet and his policies are totally reasonable. um, And the way he spins it, you know, are are totally reasonable. But I don't think it, to me, doesn't change the nature of like, and he'll say this, right? This was really bad. Like, this is bad. And then, you know, what's the the sentence after that? But yeah. All right, you guys, that's the end of the show. How do you feel? Oh, thank you. Uh, I feel great having had this uh, lovely conversation. Uh, and it really, I mean, I love talking. Uh, <laughs> I, I talk for a living. Uh, I've, I'm older now and hopefully like a little more, like less dumb than I was before. But also part of that is like, these are things that news is happening all the time and history exists so much. And there's uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to you, you send out the topics in advance and I can do research and be like, oh, I can learn and become more informed about about these things, about what people are talking about and then come in and uh, then there's new topics and I'm talking out of my ass. And uh, <laughs> but it's just I feel I feel good that there's a lot there's a lot of heads still to learn. That we, is, we changed up the show here today. That is you just described the secret sauce of podcasting, which is a white guy reading something the night before and then coming in the next day. And just- <laughs> Just talking about it for 45 minutes like he's an expert. Uh, 
you guys. Thanks so much for doing the show. And I would love for people to follow you. Jody Avergan, where do they follow you? Where do they consume all the wonderful things that you make? Well, certainly the 30 for 30 podcast. You can go find that. Uh, we just put out a big season. We have another one coming on the horizon. And then I guess I'm on Twitter. Jody with a Y. Avergan. Mike? Uh, Mike Kaplan is my name, my website, my social media. Mike is spelled M-Y-Q. Sorry about that. Or, you're welcome. Whatever you like. <laughs> uh, if you're pro or against, I'm on your side. Uh, M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N on all the social media. You can find my albums, wherever albums are, if they're still a thing. My podcast is Broccoli and Ice Cream. My special is on Amazon. And I uh, thank you. Uh, you guys, please consume all of the things that the, these guys have to offer. They're so great. You guys know where to find me. Next week, I'm going to be in Chicago for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I don't know Ooh. if there's still t- tickets available, but if there are, you should get them and be in Chicago. Um, there's other shows I'm doing in the this, these coming months, and they may or may not, as always, be on my website. Um, but I would really like to thank the people here at Fake the Nation that make the show possible. That's our producer, Harry Nelson, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, Lily Fleshler helps with research, and dear listeners, we love to hear from you. So send us your feedback, topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas. You guys have been doing a fantastic job of that. Um, I have a couple of topics on tap uh, for next week um, that are uh, from the listeners. So, again, keep them coming. You can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or drop us a line at comments@fakethenation.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps people find the show. And, you know, tell your friends about the show because that's what really helps people find the show. All right, you guys. Thanks and goodbye. Good day and good night. Oh, hey, guys, it's Nagin. I'm talking at you from the streets of New York because there's one last thing I wanted to remind you about, and I forgot to do it in studio. And that thing is that tomorrow is the beginning of the Global Climate Strike Week. Uh, There'll be student walkouts tomorrow on September 20th uh, and then other events throughout the week. So please look it up and support and be there and tell everyone you know uh, because you know climate change is an existential threat. Okay, thanks.